Welcome to the Cassidy Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 103. You have Chris and Brian this morning. And today we're going to talk about validating your gear, be that the concealed carry pistol you're running, your carbine you have set up for home defense or patrol rifle stuff, and or uh, your, call it, tactical gear kit, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, from EDC to, you know, to, to go to work kind of stuff, if it's applicable to you. Um, you know, is, is basically, you know, when we talk about validating or vetting your gear, um, a, a big part of that is while you're out training to use your gear, it doesn't have to be a separate thing where you say, well, today I'm going to go validate my new AR that I just built and run a thousand rounds through it and just make sure that it goes bang every time you can parlay, you know, those rounds, those trigger pulls that time into good training as well. But by the same token, we tell people on a regular basis, I don't care if you built a couple of ARs previously or not. The reality check is there's a thing called a tolerance collision when you're buying parts from different manufacturers and even sometimes parts from the same manufacturer. If one part came off the end of a run and the other part came off the beginning of a run, sometimes things just don't fit together the way they should uh, or don't stay tight or stay together the way they should. Never mind assembly processes and things of that nature where we see a lot of folks you know, don't know to use you know, rock set or different thread lockers or things of that nature. They don't know, uh, they don't have a torque wrench. They don't have, um, they don't have the right tools to torque things down properly and have a torque wrench to confirm or verify that, um, you know, you run into problems down the road. Um, so, you know, when we talk about validating or vetting things, it, it can be something as, as like seriously stake your life on it as if you use a home defense carbine and you build it, have you gone out and tested to make sure it works right um, through more than, well, I ran a couple mags through it and it ran, I only had two or three jams, it's fine. Um, you know, we get that as a validation. Uh, we hear people say things like that, unfortunately, on a fairly regular basis. Um, we, you know, we had a gentleman in here over the last month or so who was talking about his new Taurus G3 or G2 or I don't even know, G8 Summit Something. thing, Taurus, I don't know. I don't know if he got it from, you know, Japan and there are a bunch of other national leaders there. I don't, G something, G... G string, G whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, he had some kind of Taurus, and he and he had a he had a box of ammo for it, and he'd run a couple rounds through it, and was perfectly satisfied that that was gonna you know that's the toy he's gonna stake his life on. Um, you know, I, I, I get get out there and test your gear. Um, you know, we we do that under the guise of training, but when we talk about validation, um, I'm running an AR pistol right now that's chasing 3,500 rounds, actually a little bit close to 3,600 rounds, and I could actually check my book on it because I built that gun, the top end of that gun. I put the barrel in the receiver. I put the you know the forend on it and completed that gun. The bottom end of the gun, the lower receiver, curiously the easy part to build. I bought us a complete Bravo Company unit. Um, I, I still went out and ran the snot out of that gun before I ever would have put that gun. And by ran the snot out of it, I mean I put close to 2,000 rounds through the gun. And it's a demo gun for the shop to show people, hey, these are some different G-Galls and widgets you can put on your gun. And here's some products you can normally buy when things aren't nuts. Um, but the reality check is I had 1,500, a little bit over 1,500 rounds through that gun before I said, okay, this is something I'm willing to keep loaded and ready to go if things go sideways. Um, you know, and, 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 and I can, I could prove that at the time I had a book, I had the, you know, how many rounds I ran through it and, you know, on different training sessions, if there were any problems encountered, which there weren't, um, or if there were problems, you know, a couple times, I think I, I kind of carboned the suppressor on it and made a note that, Hey, if you're running more than a few hundred rounds, um, you know, you might want to lube up the, 
the interface between the suppressor and the gun uh, because I actually spun the muzzle brake off the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, not because it wasn't installed properly, but because I got ham-fisted and decided, hey, I can spin this damn thing off and break that carbon loose. And it turns out carbon holds on pretty tight uh, when you're at 800 freaking rounds suppressed and haven't cleaned it. And have gotten things very hot uh -huh. and then cooled down yes. and then very hot. Yeah. But I knew that 800 rounds was way too much and then started keeping an eye on that. And now I know that actually three to 400 rounds will cause the suppressor to stick on. And if I squirt a little bit of lube in it when I put it away, um, let it cool down over the next day or two, and it generally will come apart after that. So, you know, in the, in the process of running your tools, seeing what they like, what they don't, what they need, what they don't, um, you can validate and vet your gear. You can go train with something you've never used before, and if it fails you on the range, that's the perfect place for it to fail you. I will throw in the caveat on the range, on your training time, not in a class that you're paying for, and your peers in that class are paying for and waiting for you to fix your crap on the line. Um, if you're going to take an unvetted piece of equipment to a class, please be the guy who's willing to just step off the line and go fix your gear, but understand that you, you're paid for that knowledge, you paid for that training that you're not getting while you mess with your gear. The other thing is, if you miss a critical point of training and then down the road you're holding up the class because you have to be retaught, um, don't be that guy. You know, yeah. simply said, don't be that guy. Um, if you can go take training and you're squared away enough where it's a refresher type class and you need to step off the line, you know, that's fine. You're probably not going to miss anything. But if it's new information to you, um, that's not the right place to vet or validate your gear. Yeah, or take, you know, full, fully set up, fully validated backup with you. Yeah. In yep. the event that your new new stuff goes down. Yeah, and, and have it readily accessible, not a quarter mile away in your vehicle or something like that. Um, you know, and again, that's something that I think we generally do. When, you know, when I go to the range, I, I'm trying to think of which I had a gun where I had a, a, a an ejector go down on the gun, and that and that was that was a critical failure on my part and lack of maintenance on that gun because it was twelve thousand rounds on that bolt. Um, which is a lot that, that on a bolt. Um, yeah, 12,000 rounds on that. I mean, years on that bolt. And the bolt didn't fail. The The ejector just got jammed up with what looked like sand-sized pieces of brass and whatnot. <laughs> um, but I also didn't futz around for more than about 30 seconds before I said, screw it, realized I had a, a, a catastrophic malfunction. The gun wasn't going to work and walked over to my vehicle, grabbed the second gun, walked back over on the line and continued with the drill. Matter of fact, it was an untimed drill, and I'm pretty sure that I finished it with everyone else <laughs> with a catastrophic malfunction and going to get a backup. So um, validating your gear, guys, also can be something a little less sexy than necessarily weapons, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we always think of the gun or the gun that we built or the gun that we just put an optic on or the new pistol that we just bought for concealed carry. Um, it, things that should go bang don't always go bang. You know, so it, whether it's a new gun or a home-built gun or not, still go shoot it and make sure it works. Um, we had a, a law enforcement officer here locally, and I'm going back a, over a decade ago. We're not going to name the agency. Actually, a good dude and fairly squared away, but I think this is just something where um, life got a hold of this guy. But he bought a used G35 40 caliber handgun and, and was so tickled and so excited about it that he threw it in his holster and carried it work for almost a week and a, well, almost two weeks, a week and a half. Um, before he finally got to the range to run some ammo through it. I'm absolutely certain that he violated department or agency or SO 
SOPs on that. I'm sure there are standard operating procedures that says there's no way in hell you can carry a gun you haven't qualified with. Yeah. But he did it anyway. Um, when he showed up at the range to run a few boxes of ammo through it just to confirm everything worked right. And the guy's a, he's a competitive shooter and a pretty a very competent shooter, um, not super competent about vetting gear, and found out that the gun had a ground-down firing pin. It was somebody's USPSA gun um, that they'd ground down the firing pin to do dry fire practice with at home so they couldn't have an ND at home. Um, and that used to be a thing back Oops. in the day. Yeah. And so he carried a gun for two weeks that had a firing pin that made, that rendered the gun physically inoperable. Um, it was really interesting to see cause he was a pretty white dude. Um, but he had no color in his face when he figured that out whatsoever. He was almost transparent when the blood drained from his face. Um, and, and should have been. So if he'd validated his gear, he would have known before he ever went on duty or, or, you know, staked his life, your life and everyone else's life on that gun. Um, you know, so validating your gear can look like something critical, like a firearm, um, or, or it can, you know, it can look like lights and stuff like that. You know, again, we get, get a new light. Uh, we have one of our tribe who, who for years tried to hammer with the largest of hammers, the roundest peg into the squarest of holes, um, APLs, uh, different lights of that nature, enforced lights, um, and, and things that have just have a track record of being janky as hell. Um, but hey, it looks cool, and I really like where the button's at on it. Never mind the fact that the button's hard to hit, doesn't work reliably, and the light just sucks from an output perspective. But it's and half the cost of the good stuff. Yeah, but it's half the cost of the good stuff. Um, and, 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 and Batman knows who he is. He knows we're picking on him right now. Um, but the reality check is he, he now doesn't run that brand of light anymore because he goes out and trains with his gear and validated that gear. And in this case, selected against it. In this case, used it enough, got, got kicked in the junk enough times trying to run it and, and finally realized, okay, screw it. This is not a valid selection. So he validated that this was, you know, not yeah, a good and tool. And had that light catastrophically fail when he really needed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Um, but anyway, so, um, but it's cool because he makes awesome hot sauce and, and pretty yummy beer, actually. Um, so we're going to let that slide. So, yeah. um, uh, Another thing, you know, validating, we talk about, you know, guns a lot, but also your EDC kit. So things mm -hmm. like holsters, mag pouches. Knife clips. Knife clips. Knives, knife clips. Um, where things are at in your pockets. Um, being able to, you know, sit down, um, get down, get up off the ground. Um, can yeah. you get to your... Get to your stuff if you're laying, you know, you got knocked down, you're laying on your back, you're laying on your front. Yeah. Um, can you do burpees, pull-ups, well, et cetera, with your kit on? And let's throw a really a really pointed example of that. Um, we, had, we did a rifle day um, last year, and one of the guys in the tribe uh, utilizes an, an appendix carry appendix carry location, but with just a cheap generic gun bucket type holster that's an inside the waistband, soft inside the waistband, uh, leather-ish, but but relatively soft with a clip on it, um, had a gun shoved in that, in that holster. It's something he'd used for years, and I would say felt like it was a validated piece of kit because he'd used it for years with no problems, um, but we got out on the range and we're doing rifle, you know, multiple person movement stuff with rifles, and you get up and you get down, and you get up and you get down, and you get up and you get down, and at some point, Throughout that evolution of movements, uh, he no longer had a handgun, um, which meant, you know, doing a walk on the range and you line it up and doing your FOD walk going down through there. And we, you know, of course, we recovered the firearm. Um, 
Unfortunately, the firearm was out on its own in the grass, not in the holster, which speaks to some significant concerns about safety because now the trigger's exposed. It's a striker-fired gun at the time. Um, the trigger was exposed. It had it fallen out and caught on some piece of kit or, or Lord knows what, um, created a, a, what I would say is an unsafe condition, Just but a piece of gear that you know was considered validated until it wasn't because it had never actually been validated. It was just convenient and seemed to work. Um, that's where we talk about going out physically moving around, going out in the grass with your shit and doing burpees. Um, you know, going out in the grass. I, mean, I don't know if you've, if you've never done a power clean, have somebody who runs a gym teach you how to do a power clean, you know, yeah. but go pick up a sandbag and do, do a, you know, do 10 or 15 power cleans with your stuff on a rapid succession. Or do you, uh, turkey's get ups would be another one. TGUs would be a great one for sure. Um, but some kind of movement with your stuff on to see. And the other thing you'll learn, too, is where it's going to rub and where it's going to be uncomfortable. And, and, and it's nice to know those things as well before you're out on the range for the first time. Um, yeah, if you got access nice to sheaves. a full-on um, obstacle course, that'd be a great thing to use, too. Yeah, except I'm old and fat, and I don't like that idea because it would show all my weaknesses, and there are a lot of them. <laughs> um, so, But I would agree with that. Um, I, I also think that if you go down to um, Audubon Park, um, south of the freeway there, right up at downtown with full kit and start running the obstacle course. If you have weapons, I can promise you, you will interface with law enforcement in rapid fashion. Um, and that will likely be very uncomfortable and nervous law enforcement. Um, you might get the cool guy who actually uses that course to do his own PT, um, but probably not. Probably it, wouldn't, not. it wouldn't be my luck. Now, having said that, I have seen guys down there with plate carriers, uh, with mags in them and shit like that, running that obstacle course, that O course down there. There's tires to flip, there's stones to pick up, there's logs to jump over and walked on and this, that, and the other. It is a pretty cool O course. Um, you know, so if you wanted to go a little lower pro and take your mags out of your pouches and that kind of stuff and just run your kit to do that, that would be a cool way to do it. Um, I can guess that if you were running a war belt, even without a gun in it, um, or maybe a blue gun, that somebody's probably going to call the police on you, but the reality check is... If you have a blue gun in the holster and the police show up, they're going to recognize that as an inert weapon. They're probably going to double check real quick and then press on. So if you wanted to do that down there, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying it exists and it's someplace you could if you were of a mind to do that. Um, and the same thing goes for rucking with your gear. If you're going to throw a backpack on with 25 pounds, why not throw your plate carrier on? It's probably 15. Throw a few more mags in it and go on. You're probably chasing 20 pounds real quick. Yeah. Um, you're not at go ruck light specs um you know don't forget your reflective tape though whoo you will headlamp. oh man you gotta have those so um all you go ruck guys i'm just having fun don't don't get uptight about it oh wait a minute you guys aren't supposed to get uptight never mind we should be cool <laughs> should be um but yeah you know stuff like that validating your gear um electronics if, if, if i can jump to that yeah. again we're back to lights and stuff like that those devices run on batteries um, we are pushing uh, really hard right now some new products from Cloud Defensive, the Owl Light, the Rain Kits, the RIN Kits, um, as well as some of the new Surefire rechargeable batteries, not for the Rain Lights, Surefire rechargeable batteries for other lights that you run CR123s in. Um, but just want to get that caveat out there, that, that proviso. Um, the, the rechargeables and stuff like that, make sure they work. Uh, we actually sell the Streamlight USB rechargeable batteries, one of our tribe. I uh, got one out of the bag that wouldn't charge, uh, ran it, wouldn't catch up, uh, or, or seemed like it was charged, but then didn't work well uh, when he went to use it. Vet your gear. Um, don't go charge your batteries and throw them in your bag and just assume they work fine. Run them through a cycle. Um, guess what you can do while you're seeing if your that battery works in a cycle? 
you can clear your house of Canadians. Do or, up drills. Or do up drills. Make sure your In your basement work. with the lights off. You know, I mean, you can clear your house of filth and whatnot. Get those Canadians out of your basement. You never know. They might be lurking. Um, but run through it and do those things and make sure that those batteries work and stuff like that. Um, and in this case, this guy was out on the range testing his stuff and had, had the battery failure and went, hey, have you ever seen this happen? I'm like, no, it's a new product. Call, call Streamlight. They'll probably replace it. But that was the time to figure out not something goes bump in the night and you grab the gun and, it doesn't, and the light doesn't work. So definitely... Um, what else under val you under validation, you as a physical person. Yeah. Um, I realize that, that, that I am, I am the, the, the blackest of all pots calling kettles, um, calling kettles out, uh, here. So, uh, from a PT perspective, can you, can you go do stuff, validate yourself? Can you move around? Can you move rapidly? Can you accelerate? Can you start? Can you stop? Can you pick things up? Can you push people around? Different things of that jump nature. Over things, can you? Yep. Climb, or at least crawl under things. Yeah, or at least climb over things. You know, can you? Or or can you solve problems enough to get up and over things? Um, one of our guys that works here, he and another friend of his go and do um, these like 5K and 10K shooting competitions where you've got to cover significant ground between stages and in some cases obstacles. Um, you throw an eight foot wall in front of a 50 some year old dude who's in good shape, can do chin ups, can run. Um, you know, can, can run eight, nine minute miles, more than one, yeah. um, and can do work, can do lots of push-ups, can, you know, can bench press his body weight, can squat way more than his body weight. Um, but, but running up and doing that hardcore hit the wall hard with the step and up and over thing, it's just not happening for this dude. You know, he's not, it's not a kid anymore. Um, he, he, he is improvising some tools that help him do that. Um, you know, so understand a big part of that is going out and doing it again, validating, finding out what you can and can't do. Um, you know, so this guy's found something he can't do. It's running an eight foot wall and vault over it. Well, guess what? Neither can I, I'm not sure I can just simply vault over a six foot wall without a decent step or two to get into it. Um, he knows this because he goes out and trains with his gear and carries all his crap with him. And so he's learned and he's figured out a way to improvising, you know, adapt and overcome. So, um, so, you know, if it feels like we're saying get out and use your stuff. We are. We're saying get out and use your stuff. Um, that, you know, that is the validation process. If you've gone out and you purchased top-notch kit and, and had everything assembled by a professional, whoever that may be, um, you know, and, and, and you think that that's the end of the game, you're now ready for this, or you go shoot the gun but you don't do anything else with it, you know, there, there may be a little more to validating your gear and understanding that it works. Um so, you know, without belaboring the point, uh, get out and do stuff, get out and do it in different weather, get out and do it in different clothing. Um, in the summertime when you're wearing a t-shirt and shorts at the range or a light pair of pants or whatever, and maybe running shoes or some type of athletic shoe versus wintertime when you might be wearing a couple extra layers, boots, a warm coat, hat, gloves, etc. get out and do it. And if it sounds like we're saying that, that's what we're saying. So, um, keep metrics if you have a failure with a piece of kit make a note you know on that logbook for your gun i don't care put it somewhere in your pt logbook whatever if you had a mag pouch that didn't hold on to something quite as well as you thought it should have or you had a yard sale somewhere write down what happened because then when you go looking for more pouches or different pouches you can at least kind of say hey i know when when i do this this happens kind yeah. of thing um because you won't once you put it away you'll probably forget about it once you've wiped your gear down and stowed it uh, let it dry out and stow it. Are you going to think about that again until the next time you grab it? And I'm I'm guilty of that. I have I, I have a war belt that uh, that has a tourniquet pouch on it, 
that I stole the tourniquet out of and put in a different med kit because I wear that med kit on a regular basis. And every time I grab the damn war belt, I look at it and go, son of a gun, I need to throw a tourniquet in there. I work someplace that sells tourniquets and I buy them at cost. And it still doesn't doesn't have a freaking tourniquet in it. So don't, don't be me. Don't, don't be this guy. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's just that, you know, it could be just making sure your gear's filled out too. Um, you know, go on from there. So, uh, if it feels like we're preaching. Yeah. To get back to that, you know, doing things in different weather. Um, also think about doing things with different, call it cyclic rates or, you know, base of the fire. Guns do real interesting things when they get hot and then get cold and then get hot and yep. then get cold. Um, so doing, you know, of course, a fire where maybe you got to run through three or four mags. Like, yeah, it's stupid expensive right now to do that. But if you're doing it with a, a decent course of fire, you're actually going to learn a lot of things about doing that too. Yep. Um, you know, get your gun hot, let it sit for a little bit, you know, let it cool down, go and get it hot again. Make sure you know everything works after metals have expanded and contracted and then expanded again. Yeah, I mean, if you can get through a couple cycles of that, um, you're a lot more likely to find those problems. Uh, a great example of that, uh, gas blocks on ARs, especially non-dimpled or non-pinned gas blocks. Uh, and then folks who didn't use a thread locker like Rockset to pin that gas block down. Uh, the gun ran fine on the range when they zeroed it. The gun ran fine playing around a little bit here and there. But as soon as they got into that class where they were doing... Um, you know, covering fire for movement and things of that nature, all of a sudden the gas blocks moves, the gun shut down, and you've got a gassing system problem. You've got an ID. Um, probably over half the time, it's the gas block that's moved. Um, probably 25% of the time, it's the, it's the carrier key has come loose from the BCG, which is another one of those hot, cold interfaces that expands, contracts, and lets go. And if your carrier key wasn't torqued on properly and then staked properly, uh, it's another hot, cold, comes loose kind of item. Yeah, for one sure. of those things that we've seen, you know, in this past year from, you know, we've got a, a tribe member who his gas key came loose um, <clears> and his you know, brand new bulkier group, brand new upper, in fact, yeah, from a top tier manufacturer that we're going to leave unnamed at the moment. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm not just saying a good manufacturer, literally a top tier worldwide military provider. Um, at a high level, that does, yeah, that know, does super from, for naval special warfare and yeah. builds whole on guns for the Brits. Yeah, and and New Zealand and a number of other places now too. So I mean, you know, again, top notch piece of equipment, but just simply wasn't assembled properly, um, and you know, part of the game. And and guess guess where he found out that it didn't work right? Training, vetting his gear. So yeah, you and know. it was a problem that you know didn't really show itself until the gun got to. I think somewhere between 120 and 150 rounds yeah. after it had been cleaned and lubricated. Yeah. So, yeah. And that, that was an interesting thing too. Um, the key was loose. The, the gun was shot. The key became loose after it got heated up. The owner of it cleaned the system, lubed it, put it back away, went out, trained with it again, and it ran fine, cleaned and lubed for a while and then crapped out again 120 rounds later. So it was one of those things where it was an obvious gassing issue um, but it wasn't obvious that the carrier key was loose until we pulled the gun apart and took a look at it and said, son of a gun, that's loose. Wow, that's a really nice top end. That's interesting that that happened. Um, 
and you know what? You fix it and drive on. And if you, and with that manufacturer, I'm sure you could have sent it to them and they'd have taken care of it one way or the other. Um, or you could put it back together and stake it yourself. This individual has access to a, a gunsmith grade or armor grade staking tool. So he cranked everything back down to the proper torque specs, uh, staked it and went on. Um, no big deal, but found it in training, not in a gunfight. Yeah. Um, don't learn new things in gunfights, like how to diagnose a carrier key being loose. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, um, I guess the last thing I would say, if you don't know what you're doing as an armor or, you know, putting kit together um, and whatnot, you know, either get with somebody who really does. F find a rabbi. Find Absolutely. A rabbi. Find a mentor. Yeah. Um, you know, validate, you know, whatever YouTube videos and blogs and all that. You know, do those guys actually know what they're doing or are they just good at making or are they just good at video production? Yeah, or, or good at slapping stuff together and they don't ever validate it either. You know, we see that a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Loctite is your friend most of the time. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, take, take the time to do stuff right. Um, clean surfaces. You know, take, take time to, to weave molly and whatnot correctly. Yep. <coughs> um, yeah. Chances are, you know, where you put things the first time is not where stuff's going to end up. So yeah. be patient and don't rush, you know, trying to put your kit together. Give yourself a couple days to you know, repeatedly validate or move around in it. Um, you know, when it comes to, to nylon gear and whatnot, doing stupid things around the house like washing the dishes yeah. or folding laundry actually kind of put, it will bring flaws in how you have things set up to light. Because you never know when you need to stab somebody in the eye socket while you're folding laundry. And you want to make sure that that little stabbing knife you keep on your plate carrier is in the right place. Yeah, or that you got so much stuff on the front that your back is killing you because everything's super unbalanced. Or that, or that. I was just thinking a Canadian jumping out from behind your dryer, your clothes dryer. I mean, they do like to <laughs> You know, so yeah, awesome guys. So good to go. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks a bunch for tuning in. Um, got some information to share with you before we go here. Um, the usual stuff from us. Yeah. Uh, as long as Facebook and Instagram let us stick around. Um, we will be on those two social media platforms. Uh, just search for Cap City Outfitters. Uh, look us up on the web at capcityoutfitters.com. You can find valuable information on there, such as how to do an FFL transfer, uh, along with how to get a suppressor through our storefront on silencershop.com. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. And we are located in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We are directly in front of the Aldi's. We're right next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon and hoping that 2021 um, is full of ammo and whatnot. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Take care, guys.